let's study the scriptures. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 15. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that the illumination of our minds comes when we read, when we share, when we discuss. And so, Lord, would you cause light to enter each of our hearts, each of our minds, each of our wills so that we'll surrender to you in a greater way. Lord, we thank you for this. We love you, and we listen carefully now. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 3, verse 15 through 16 is John the Baptist describing Jesus and his coming. He's going to describe the baptism that Jesus is going to bring. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. As you know, we are on a series called Numa, Unlocking the Mystery of the Holy Spirit. And Numa is the Greek word for spirit in the New Testament. And so we're recognizing the work and the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. It's easy to recognize the Father. It's everybody embraces the Son. Uh, those are very clear, but the mystery of the Holy Spirit, we're spending time unlocking that for our lives and understanding what the scripture says. So look here at the apostle, or uh, the, John the Baptist. He says um, in verse 15, the people were waiting expectantly. We're all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. He was baptizing people, and, but he answered them all in verse 16. He says, I baptize you with water. But one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit and with fire. This describes the work that Jesus was preparing his disciples for, the work of the Holy Spirit that he was going to send to them when he was resurrected from the dead and went to the right hand of the Father. This is the, the work of the Holy Spirit that happens in us. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you today. Last week we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about speaking in tongues. We're going to talk briefly about it. I'm going to talk more about speaking in tongues tonight. But I want you to see how the scriptures relate to us about this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. And how people spoke in a language that was not their own. But first, I want you to understand what we're talking about when Jesus... Descri is, is described as bringing a baptism, not with just with water, but with the Holy Spirit. He's talking about making you into a person who is completely controlled, surrendered, immersed in, consumed by the Spirit of God. That's what he's talking about. He wants to burn up all the stuff that's not like him and he wants all there to be left is you and his work in you and him flowing through you by the Spirit. Turn over to Acts chapter 1. It's just a few pages to your right. If you turn to Acts 1, you'll see Jesus saying in, in verse, verse 8 in Acts 1, it says, but you will receive power. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say power. Come on, all you kids, say power. power. Nice, I like that. You say power, the Holy Spirit was given, and as the Holy Spirit was given, when you, re you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Another word for witness is martyr, person who gives their life, person who surrenders their life. You will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, 
and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Last week we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you, not just so that power can be resident in you, not so you can hog it all to yourself, but so that you can surrender it to somebody else. You can allow it to flow through you, that the power of the Holy Spirit is not just for you, it's about others. And this week, we want to talk about how that baptism works and how we want to look at the stories through the book of Acts of how people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it's important for us to start off with the idea of baptism, all right? You've heard me say baptism, the Greek word baptizo, to be immersed, plunged into, or saturated. To be immersed. Most of us think about the Holy Spirit being poured into our lives like this. Look at this, okay? The Holy Spirit is pouring into our lives like this cup. Wow, I'm really good. Look at that. Do you see that, kids? Do you see how awesome that is? Most of us, most of us, this is how we kind of take the Holy Spirit. This is how we take God. Kind of nice. Do you want him on the rocks or do you want him? No. You <laughs> that went right over their heads. It's okay. So we just kind of we just kind of want to we just kind of want to drink him up a little bit, you know. Hmm. Yeah, that's good water. And some of us, even, we might, you know, man, Lord, just fill me up. Just just take me, like, just do everything you want to do. And then we start overflowing. It's awesome. And we're overflowing into people's lives. And I don't want to get my Bible wet. And we're over, or this electrical equipment. And we're flow, overflowing, and, and the, the Holy Spirit is filling us up. And it's such a wonderful thing. But that's not what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just being filled up, it's being consumed in the middle of, being totally surrounded by, being totally submerged, being plunged into, allowing him to have access to every part of your life. Look, did you see how I did that, kids? I like put it right in there. It's like that's what the Holy Spirit does to you when he baptizes you. When he takes control of your life and he begins to affect and your thoughts, your actions, your attitudes, your emotions, all that you do, everything you do is surrendered to the Holy Spirit. That's what the baptism is about. Everything is submit, submitted and surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And that's why the, the weirdness of speaking in tongues, right? And tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about the benefits of speaking in tongues and what, what uh, having a, a personal prayer language is really about. Most of us have trouble understanding that idea. Our mind kind of gets in the way of speaking a language that you don't even know. That doesn't even make sense. I believe that it's part of being willing to surrender even your intellect to the work of the Spirit who wants to pray through you, who wants to allow you to speak the wonders of God and the mysteries of God's Spirit from somewhere deep within you, not your mind, not your, just your will, not just your soul, not just your body, but the Spirit of God that lives within you. That's what, that's what I think, and I want, I want you to see how that works in the book of Acts as we look at these stories. So, so here we go. We're going to do five stories, all right? Everybody put a hand up. Five. Five stories. Here we go. Acts chapter 2. This is the original outpouring, and we'll, we'll look at this from verse 1, all right? Let's read it together. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. (gasps) Only it kept happening. 
the wind came into the room where they were sitting and the, like a blowing of a violent wind and came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. I mean, you could imagine it. They're inside the house and there's this big sound. It would be funny because it sounded like wind, but their hair wasn't blowing. <laughs> so then what happened was, verse 3 says, they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. It was like the best episode of Indiana Jones that you've ever seen where he, the fire kind of shows up from heaven and in this big ball, and then it separates and lands on the, on the heads of all the disciples. That wasn't the tongue, by the way. That was just signifying the fire. It was probably more of a crackling, really, is what it was. So fire is resting on their head. And then verse 4 says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, this is what Jesus had told his disciples right here in Acts chapter 1. We just read part of that scripture where he said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem, and I want you to wait for the gift my Father promised, this beautiful, wonderful gift that you can receive. If you'll just wait, you'll be open, you'll be surrendered, you'll pray, you'll allow him to touch you. He promises there's a gift, and how many of you know that the gifts of God are all good? They're all good. The scripture teaches us that if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He said that. The gospel writer, Jesus said that, said that very phrase in relation to the Holy Spirit. And the gift that he wants to give. Okay, so here's, here it is. They begin to speak in tongues. Now here's why that's significant. Verse 5, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So people from all over the planet, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? They were saying, these guys are not intellectual people. They don't know all these languages. How could this be? There's something strange going on here. And let me tell you this. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, sometimes there are strange things that happen. There's no guarantee that there won't be weirdness. But, it, but, but I want you to understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you. It is not something to be resisted. It is not something to be afraid of. It is not something that you have to worry about. It is something that you can trust in, you can give yourself to, you can surrender to, because the Holy Spirit is good and the Father gives good gifts. Here's what happens to them. This is how each, uh, verse 8 says, Then how is each of us hearing them in their own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, and Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. I want you to underline that little phrase right there if you haven't already, wonders of God. They were speaking about the wonders of God. The Holy Spirit was flowing into them and they were, they were being baptized in him, immersed in him. And what happened was they received a prayer language by which they were sharing the wonders of God with others. Actually, 
Peter gets up in a few moments and he talks about how significant this is. He says, this is the prophecy that has been clearly articulated for 800 years from the, from the prophet Joel. Look down in verse 17. He says, in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both young men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Look, this is, this is the moment. This is where people are experiencing this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I want to, you to learn from this first story. If you need help speaking someone else's cultural language to tell them about Jesus, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The perp- this is the purpose. Now, there are other benefits. Don't confuse the purpose with the benefits. All right, track with me, everybody in the room. The purpose is so that the Holy Spirit can flow through you into other people. But there are benefits when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And the, one of those benefits is a prayer language, and that prayer language has a real gift. It's a, it's a gift to you. It's a, it's a blessing in your life. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one of the blessings is if you need help speaking another language, you need help leaping a cultural wall and speaking into your neighbor's life who doesn't necessarily speak the same cultural lingo that you do, the Holy Spirit wants to give you that language. Some are fearful of this idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They think it will make them weird or crazy or unrelatable. Okay, go with me. Just the opposite is true. It's not going to make you unrelatable. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes you the most relatable. He leaps cultural walls. He makes sure that the wonders of God are able to be told in multiple languages, in multiple cultures. Are you tracking with me? That is a great idea from the scripture. You and I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit for this reason even alone. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not an experience just for you, but power given to you to help others experience him. Right? That's what we learn from this. This is the original outpouring. Look at me. We don't have the power. No, nobody in this room has the power to love or to serve or to give our lives for other people without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's very difficult. Second story, look over in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And we're going to start a little bit earlier than 31 so that we can see. Let's start in verse 23. This is Peter and John being released from prison. They've been persecuted. Let's look at it. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And then they quote Psalm, I believe this is Psalm uh, 8 or Psalm 2. Here it is, Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers a gather against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, stop right there. The next passage is very important, but I want you to consider an idea. 
these people were being persecuted for what they believed. And they needed the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome it. They needed signs and wonders. They need miraculous power. I wonder if it's not true that the church in the United States is not interested too much in the power that the Holy Spirit has available to them because they're living pretty comfortable. Oh, I know. If you listen to the news, it's like we're falling off a cliff. But everybody in the United States, no matter how poor they are, are in the top 1% or 2% of the world in terms of their standard of living. But I tend to think that our desire to just have a nice life, have a good job, take care of our kids, come to church on the weekends, feel pretty good about ourselves, get a little filled up with something good, and then do a good job during the week. That's kind of what we live for, many of us, and it is not enough. It is not enough to overcome the evil that's in your heart or the issues that face us in our society. It's not enough. The power of the Holy Spirit has to live in us to overcome our own failures and our own fears, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then we also need his ideas, his power, his strength, his, his uh, direction in order to deal with the ills of our society. Now, the, the problem is we don't really, we don't really believe that. We're not, we're not too desperate. I want you to consider the persecuted church around the globe. I want you to consider the fact that several hundred people are going to die today because they believe in Jesus Christ. That's a fact. That's a, a statistic. Do you know what they're doing? They're crying out to the Holy Spirit for power, for courage, for signs and wonders, for miracles, for healing. I want to challenge you to be open to what the Holy Spirit might want to say to you in regards to your life, the way you live the way you think about him, the way you include him, the way you're either immersed or not in him. So here's what happened. They're being threatened. They're being persecuted. And then they pray this prayer. And they pray it out. They pray the Old Testament. They pray the scriptures. They pray that God will come to their rescue, that they will give them the strength to speak. And then verse 31 says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I want, it's interesting that the desire, the asking for signs and wonders, the response from God was to fill them with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Recognizing the Holy Spirit is one of the secrets to allowing miracles and signs and wonders to, to flow in our lives. The response of God was pouring himself into them, baptizing them. Story number three, go to Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. This is a story about uh, a man who was a sorcerer. This, was a, this is a story about a man who had spiritual power on his own, but from the dark side. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the side of light. It was dark. And so he saw what was happening here. And this is a story about how he saw what was happening with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. This is a very common practice in the scriptures. People laying their hands on another person and praying over them. There's something powerful in it. There's something very communal in it. There's something very connecting in it. But I, I, I want you to hear something in this passage right here. You are not a second-class citizen if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. This, 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 is, this is not a, you don't have to be insecure or somehow uh, fearful or ashamed. This, the Holy Spirit is just a gift. It is something so wonderful that God wants to give you, and he wants to immerse you in himself. And the way he does that is he, is he allows your, your spirit to be mingled with his spirit, and the Holy Spirit begins to direct everything in your life. Now that is a big deal. And so I don't want you to misunderstand Things like speaking in tongues, you don't have to speak in tongues to be, I mean, you don't have to be saved, or sorry, you don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. That's what I wanted to say. You don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. I'm not even talking about that. These people were believers in Jesus and in his work. They were believers in what Jesus Christ had done for their lives. They had repented of their sins and embraced faith in Christ. Here's what Ephesians 2, 8 says. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourself so that no one can boast. Listen, salvation comes by grace through faith alone. We're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about a gift. We're talking about a gift that the Father wants to give you. We're talking about the Spirit of God that wants to come into your life and begin to direct your steps. So notice what happens. They place their hands on him and they receive the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 18. When, the, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, now let's just wait for Peter's answer. But here, just check this out for a second. Think about this. Here is a guy who practiced sorcery. And listen, make no mistake, the the spiritual world is real. It's all around us, and, and the, one of the reasons I think we need to surrender to the Holy Spirit is because you need power to face some of those things. But, but this guy was a dabbler. He, he dabbled in the occult, and he was full of his own power, his own spiritual power from demons. And I believe he saw something that was greater and stronger than anything he'd ever seen before. And so he began, to, he began to travel with these guys and hang out with them because he had embraced the work of Christ. But then he saw this amazing thing that had happened, and he, wasn't, he didn't quite get it yet. He says, I want to buy this. I want to purchase this. But, he, but Peter says this. Look at, look at what Peter says. Peter answered, verse 20, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you. <laughs> I love that. Perhaps he will forgive you. <laughs> Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. I love this about Peter. You know, he's, this is renewed Peter. This is Holy Spirit-filled Peter. But he's still the same Peter. So he's pounding on this guy. And he says, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. I think these words are inspired here. Being full of bitterness and captive to sin is a roadblock to the Holy Spirit coming in and taking over. Surrendering to him. Forgiving others who might have hurt you. Allowing bitterness to fall away from your heart. Opens the door. See, here's what you have to do. 
the Holy Spirit will help you forgive, but you've got to make the decision to forgive, and then he'll facilitate it. But listen, forgiveness is simply not holding the person responsible for judgment. You leave the judgment to God. That's what forgiveness is. It's saying, I'm not going to hold judgment over this person's head. I'm going to leave the judgment over this person to God. And I'm going to release them. I'm going to free them. Unforgiveness hurts you more than it does the other person. So here it is. So he, he says, I see that you're bitter and captive sin. Then Simon said, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. And then it just goes on with the story. We never know what happens there. I assume that Simon got a lesson. But here's the point I want you to take from this. I want you to see that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was so obviously powerful and attractive that a very talented sorcerer wanted to spend money to buy it. A guy who was an expert in spiritual power wanted to buy this. Here's the thing, you can't buy it. You can't, you, you, there's nothing you can do to earn it. It's a gift. Holy Spirit is a, is a gift that's given to you. Look at the next story, Acts chapter 10, verse 39. Acts 10, 39. Are you still with me? Kids, are you still with me? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're losing, losing ground. Okay, almost done. Losing ground, Acts 10, 39. Um, let's, let's start in verse, uh, let's, start, let's, let's go ahead and start in 39. This is, the, this is Peter at Cornelius' house. And there's been an incredible vision that has happened that brought Peter to his house. But Cornelius is a God-fearing man and his whole family, he gathers them together. He sends for Peter. He asks him to come because he wants him to tell him about what God is doing. And so Peter is speaking to him about what God's done. And he's speaking to him about Jesus. Let's pick up the story in verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. This is what was happening. All these Jewish guys were here, and they're like, God chose us, and now what is happening? He's pouring his spirit out on all people, not just us, not just his chosen people. It was a real miracle moment here, and they realized it because he was speaking, and they were speaking in tongues, but I want you to see what was happening. Peter's telling them about Jesus, and all of a sudden, they just started speaking in tongues. They just, it just broke out. It just started happening. The Holy Spirit came and just poured out. Listen, you can't control the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. Here's the weird thing. The Holy Spirit will not force his way in. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will never take over because the idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is you surrendering your will. The idea of it is full surrender, total surrender. The Holy Spirit will never take over without your surrender. He 
will respect your will. He will respect you as a person. God gave you that decision-making ability. And, you can, and these people, here's what was happening. Cornelius' house, the family, everybody was so open. They were so hungry. They spent time and energy and, and money to make sure that Peter would come to them and travel all this way. And so as he's speaking, their hearts are so open that it just came over them. Now, you can receive the Holy Spirit in any number of ways. You don't ha- it doesn't have to happen with somebody slapping you on the forehead and you going out in the Spirit. Although that's pretty fun. Yeah, I'm, I don't do that. I'm not a big slap on the forehead guy. I think people need to be respected and they need to, their decisions need to be respected. But I do believe that, some, that when you lay your hands on people, there's something that happens there. There's a point of contact that faith is built, that you, there's community dynamics. But listen, it can happen in any number of ways. Nathan Emmert right here. Nate. Stand up and say hi. Yeah, look, there he is. Okay. He's played the keyboards today. He is such a great guy and came to help us plant this church and had been wrestling with the Holy Spirit. I asked him if I could share this story. Wrestling with receiving the Holy Spirit as a gift and specifically receiving a prayer language. And he kind of wrestled with it. We had several talks about it. He's had several talks with lots of other people about it. And just, you know, it wasn't like he had anything that he wanted to be in the way. He just couldn't quite figure it out. It's like his, his brain was keeping everything locked up so he couldn't allow the Spirit to pray through him. I'm going to talk about that specific thing tonight. We're going to talk about that idea and speaking in tongues and what's so great about it anyway. Um, but I, I, if you come back tonight, we'll talk about that. So what happened was he'd been prayed for. I'd prayed for him. Other people had prayed for him. He'd been in meetings. He'd been all over the place. You know where the Holy Spirit met him? And he started speaking in tongues in his prayer closet by himself. One day when he was kind of at the end of himself, he was going through a very difficult time very difficult season in his life and his family, and he was just crying out to God by himself, praying, asking God to take over in his life, and something happened. The Holy Spirit came on him. He started speaking in tongues. It was, it was, it's, a, it's a great story. I love it when that happens. We have another lady in our church named Becca Shelton, and she was at a Tuesday night prayer meeting, and she's there, and the music is playing, and people are worshiping, and she's down on her knees, and I could see that the Holy Spirit is meeting her, but nobody's, nobody's touching her. Nobody's really leading anything. She's just praying and thanking God for how much he'd done in her life over and over and over again, and she just was just overwhelmed by gratitude and thankfulness. And as she con- continued to thank God over and over again, what happened was she ran out of words. That's how she describes it. She ran out of words in English, and something just took over, and she began to speak in tongues. She began to speak in a prayer language. I know some of you are thinking, that is the weirdest thing ever. Look, I didn't write it. I just read it. So... um. So what I, what I want to do is I don't, think, I don't think we can pick and choose through the Bible what we like and what we don't like. I think this happened in the first century church, and it was the pouring, outpouring of the Holy Spirit that had been prophesied over and over again. There are prophecies about it. There are New Testament scriptures about it. Jesus promised it, and it happened. And so I think we've got to deal with it. So we can't talk about the Holy Spirit without talking about speaking in tongues, talking about speaking in a prayer language. So there's something wonderful that happens. I, Chelsea Griffith was talking to me this week about it. And Chelsea, you know, she leads bigs uh, over here with the elementary students every Sunday. She's such a blessing. She said she was praying for somebody to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And as she was praying, she'd never been baptized. She'd never spoken in tongues. She'd never received a prayer language. She's praying over them to receive, and she receives. 
I thought that was pretty fun. Okay, so understand this. What, look what happens in, in the, the next verse here, and then we'll go on. Then Peter said, can anyone, keep these, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? Huh? Huh? These guys hadn't even been baptized with water. And the Holy Spirit came on them. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Their hearts were hungry. They were open. Can I just tell you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just a doctrinal issue? It is a deeply personal issue. It's deeply personal with what's going on in your life, what's going on in your heart. Opening your heart. Last story. Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. Verse 1 says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. (laughs) They're like, who? We know Jesus. Jesus is cool. Hey, Jesus, we like Jesus, but we don't even know about a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. We're going to water baptize people, and we're going to baptize them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that water baptism is about identifying with Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, And there's something incredibly spiritual about that process. They were being baptized in the name of Jesus. But then there's something else that happens. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. These stories, he he laid his hands on them. It it can happen any number of ways. The the Holy Spirit is no respecter of persons. Um, You don't have to be his favorite. (laughs) You don't have to even think you're his favorite. He wants to pour it out. He wants to give you a gift. He wants to give you more of himself. Paul laid his hands on them when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Here's the conclusions that I want you to get. Number one, all five of these stories had something happen that was profound and obvious. Profound and obvious. It was notable. People could see it. They could, they, they, they could say something happened there. The sorcerer wanted to buy it. It was so good. Number two, four of the five stories result in people speaking boldly. Four of the five stories, the result is people started speaking boldly, either in tongues or, or in their own language, to speak the word of God with boldness. Some of us need more boldness, and you need to be immersed in the work of the Holy Spirit. And number three, three of the five stories result in people specifically speaking in another language that they did not learn, which is a miracle, by the way. It is a miracle. It is a gift from God. So what's so great about speaking in tongues? I'll talk about that tonight. If you can come, I would love for you to come. Come to our uh, worship time. We're going to worship for a while. We're going we're gonna to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to baptize people in water. It is going to be so much fun. You are not going to want to miss it. It is what we live for as a church, right? Is people being filled with the Spirit and being uh, um, 
renewed in their life with Christ. It's such a great thing. And, and then I'll, I'll share for a few minutes about the power, the benefits of speaking in tongues, about a personal prayer language. That's what I like to call it, a personal prayer language. Would you just bow your heads and let's just pray for a moment. I want you to just think about how the Holy Spirit might speak to you about what I've said. I want you to just allow the, allow the voice of the Spirit to speak into your life, to challenge you. could be about stuff that I, I just didn't even talk about today. could be about the very thing that's going on in you right now. And I want you to welcome, just welcome the work of the Spirit. No pressure. No making a big deal out of it. Just you personally, right where you are, welcoming the work of the Spirit. Maybe you need to open your hands toward heaven. Maybe you just need to put your hands on your lap open. If you join with me in doing that, it's a posture of surrender. Just allow him to breathe into you, to speak into you. You just say yes to him. Yes to him taking over. Yes to him. In everything he wants for you. Father, as we've read these scriptures, I want you, I want to ask you, our hearts and to allow us, help us, assist us by the Spirit to respond with a yes, to respond with a surrender, with a wholehearted surrender, not to be afraid of the gift that you want to give, not to be afraid of the gifts of the Spirit, but to embrace you wholeheartedly, to embrace the work of the Spirit in our lives, to surrender deeply, deeply. to be baptized. Father, thank you for this. We receive. We receive now. We receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the work. Some of you are here this morning and you are just finding yourself at this movie location. You were brought by a friend and you came to church and you took the risk make a commitment to Christ, I want to ask you to respond. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to ask you to come down front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but I want to give an opportunity all over this room for people who want to make a commitment or renew their commitment to Christ. Could be that you've been away from him for a long time. Could be that, that, that you know what's right, but you've been living your own way and living your own life. And now you want to, you really want to take a step. You want to start on this journey first part of the journey is putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and his work to forgive all your sins, all your failures, all your foolishness, and to give your life over to him. If you want to do that this morning, I want to give you a chance, and I just want you to indicate it by raising your hand. If that's you and you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking, you lift up your hand real strong. Yep, I see you way up here in the top. Yep, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Anybody else? Anybody else? Eight, nine. 
something so good about making the decision, making the commitment, lifting up your hand and saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want him to have my life. Would you all join me in a prayer together? Let's put our faith together with these words. Join me and let's pray together. Everybody across the room, whether you raise your hand or not, let's say this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his work on the cross. Forgive me for my failures. Forgive me for my sins. All of my foolishness. All of my mistakes. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Heal me. Make me a new person. I trust in your work. I trust in what you did on the cross. I believe in Jesus. And I receive forgiveness now. I repent of all my sins. And I make you Lord of my life. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, thank you for every person who prayed that prayer. I pray that you'd seal it by the Spirit of God and you would continue to take them on a journey. Continue to protect them. To anoint them. To give them grace for what you're doing in their lives. In Jesus' name.